podcaster. If you don't know me, I'm Olivia, and today we are talking about our second voyage into the podcast realm with Monster Talk. Holy crap, I love this podcast. Just a little bit of background before we get started. It's dubbed or pegged itself as the science show about monsters, and it critically examines the science behind cryptozoology and legendary creatures. It is hosted by Blake Smith, Karen Stolznow, and Ben Radford, although I haven't noticed him in later episodes. He's there in earlier episodes, but we're not sure if maybe he's doing research or he's out in the field or something. We're not sure what's going on with him, but we have to mention him anyway. It's presented by Skeptic Society's Skeptic Magazine, and it was awarded the Parsec Award in 2012 in the Best Fact Behind Fiction category. Um, what else can I say about it? Oh, it was first released on July 2nd, 2009, and their first show featured interviews on Bigfoot DNA with Professor Todd Distetel, and I hope I pronounced that right. I'm not sure if I did. Um, the subject matter has only expanded since. They talk about lots of monsters and... Oh, it's just really cool, and I have Gabs Roman, one of our editors-in-chief here today, to talk to me about Monster Talk, which is one of her favorite podcasts, I can assume, I hope, and just talk about why monsters are awesome, and why this podcast is awesome, and why you should all listen to it. And we have Gabs calling in from Boston today, so hi, Gabs! Hello! Thanks for having me on the show! Always! So glad to have you back! It's uh, totally accurate to say that this is one of my favorite podcasts. It's why I immediately jumped on it and <laughs> said, we must do this. I'm so glad we did. I had not heard of this podcast at all, but I love it. Holy crap, I adore it. It's I hate to say my new favorite because I've only listened to two, but, <laughs> besides our own. but so far it's like the runner for the first place. Hey, if, if every time you have a new favorite, then... Your recommenders are doing their job right. That's so. true. That's very true. Um, so I guess let's just jump right in and how and ask how did you find Monster Talk? What was it that piqued your interest in it? Did someone recommend it to you? Like you recommended it to me? What's the backstory behind that? Yeah. So I actually uh, every once in a while I manage to listen through my crazy backup of podcast episodes, and then I get bored because the new ones aren't coming out fast enough. Mm -hmm. So my favorite thing to do is actually discover new podcasts and then just listen to everything because then I'm occupied for a while. Uh, so I guess it was a couple of years ago, I was just on my computer and hopped over to the podcast store on iTunes and was like, I'm just going to start searching for stuff. So one of the things I do is I just search for my interests. I'm always you know, looking for history podcasts that mm -hmm. I think are interesting, book podcasts, stuff like that. And... Some, something caught my eye. It was like Supernatural Podcast. And I thought, oh, like, I really like ghosts and stuff. So I started searching for like ghost podcasts, Supernatural Podcasts, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I kind of stumbled across Monster Talk. And at first I thought, oh, it's going to be like ghost huntery, monster hunting type people talking about that. And I don't really buy into that stuff, but yeah. I thought, oh, well, that's kind of fun. And then I noticed that it was actually not, like, <laughs> a ghost hunters show. It's kind of the opposite, which we can talk about. Yeah. So I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> and then I just listened to all of it forever. Um, <laughs> my... My first episode I ever listened to, I will always remember, it was the homunculus episode. Oh, yeah. Um, and I remember this because that I started listening to this podcast maybe like 
a week after I finished watching Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood for the uh. first time. And I, you know, there are homunculi in that show, so I thought, oh, listen to this episode. And my, like, two geek interests converged, and I th- I'm pretty sure I can, like, blame anime for being <laughs> the reason I love this podcast so much. That's <laughs> totally so fair. that's kind of how I found it, and then I've just been recommending it to everyone I run into ever since. As you should, as everybody should who listens to it, because it's crazy fantastic, and I love it. Okay. Do you want to go ahead and explain the format of the show a little bit for anyone who's unfamiliar? Yes, that is a very good point. So thank you. Um, so it's, as I said, the host are Blake Smith and Karen Stoll's now, and sometimes Karen's there and sometimes she's not. Sometimes Ben's there. Ben is there, and sometimes he's not. In the later episodes, he's not. So Blake's kind of at the helm the whole time. And as we're actually doing right now with you, Gabs, there's usually phone interviews about a particular monster. And they'll have experts who have worked to research the monster or the story surrounding a monster or have worked to debunk the myths and kind of collect all of the data and evidence they can. And they'll just spend a half hour, an hour, kind of interviewing back and forth with the expert and talking about the expert's research and what they've been doing with the myths or the stories surrounding the monster and how they've kind of pieced together what they know about it. Is that what it's like for all the episodes? That's what it's like for the ones I've listened to. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all the episodes. There are a couple of special ones that are a little different, but mm-hmm. I would say like 98% of the episodes follow that format. Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know there was one um, for the Chupacabra one. Actually, that was Ben Radford. He was the one who wrote the book about it. And he there was a special, I think, half-hour episode after their interview with him that he read the first chapter, I think, or read some of his book on the podcast. Um, and that was kind yeah. of like a special, and I think they do yearly kind of roundups of their favorite monsters, and we'll do little, like, yeah. snippets. And there was one episode where Blake, um, he did research into, I believe, like, werewolves and silver bullets, if I'm remembering correctly, yeah. and then he just sort of, like, um, talked about his research on his own, because uh, Karen and Ben weren't around, and <laughs> since he had done the research, he didn't have anyone to interview. So I remember that there was, like, a special episode like that. Oh, cool. Um, but the, the thing I find so incredibly appealing about this show is that the people that they have on are experts in their field, and they're all scientists. Mm-hmm. And so it's really appealing to me that when they talk about, you know, uh, let's say the homunculus and alchemy, they're actually talking to, like, a historian who works for universities or... Uh, when they talk to Dr. Kenny Fader about uh, ancient alien astronauts, he's an archaeologist and a yeah. professor and knows everything about, you know, the process mm-hmm. of archaeology. And so he's not only saying, like, this is ridiculous, but he can say, as an expert in archaeology, this is what these, like, amateur people are doing wrong. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, and that, that really, really appeals to me because the show, it, it kind of turns its nose out occasionally at people, ghost hunter, Bigfoot hunter, people who who don't know what they're doing, but it's not so much those people are stupid, it's just they're not using the scientific process, so their evidence they're collecting is not really worth anything, but um, I I love that, like, not only do they have expertise, but they, they are also super passionate about the subject, so... It's just really appealing to me because it's not like, oh, ghosts aren't real. This is ridiculous. It's like, oh, no, we would love to find out that ghosts are real and have evidence of ghosts. But 
the research that we've done shows that this particular haunting case was not true. Right, like in the War on Omission episode that I really loved, that, the like you said, the expert said, like, no, if they had evidence of ghosts being real and being in this scenario, that would be awesome. But unfortunately, they didn't, and here's why. Yeah, I, I almost feel like skeptics are even bigger geeks because <laughs> they have this, like, a whole other layer on top of it. So, yeah, I just really love that about the show. Uh, and I will even say that they would be very proud to learn that the podcast has made me a better skeptic personally. Mm. Um, I still love people telling personal ghost stories, and they still scare the bejesus out of me because I'm easily scared. But when I started listening to this show and hearing this evidence they were bringing in and things they point out about, like, if you hear this in a story, you can question these things. Mm -hmm. And it made me start realizing how I hadn't been looking at supernatural stuff skeptically and actually made me less afraid of that stuff because... I feel like I have a much better sense of how to approach it now. That makes sense. Um, I don't know. I think that's really cool that just listening to people geek out actually kind of helped change the way I think about these things. So Yeah, it's like the power of science and understanding. Because I, like, I was listening to The War on a Mission, and I'm just like you. I love ghost stories, but they also terrify me. So listening to the way that the footage was... I think there was one instance where they were talking about maybe a school, and there was a hallway... And there was this kid in the hallway, and then in the next second, he disappeared. And, you know, yes. on the face of it, I would have been terrified. Like, oh my god, this kid's a ghost. He disappeared. What's going on? But then the person talks about, you know, how you could clearly tell that there was a cut in the footage, and how they restarted the camera, and that, you know, one, a candle that was on isn't on in the next instant. So you can piece together the facts behind the footage, which makes you feel a lot better. Like, okay, take a deep breath. Everything's all right. And like you said, yeah. I'm more skeptical. <laughs> gives me more comfort in the world I, I feel like it it empowers you to to look at things that way yeah to like to say okay let me test through these things and see what happens and then that way like you're taking charge as opposed to just being scared and running away from it exactly yeah and so i think it's really cool and my husband definitely loves that I listen to this podcast because he gets annoyed when I'm afraid of ghosts. So. <laughs> I was going to ask, does he listen to the podcast? He's like the ultimate skeptic. So. <laughs> does he listen to Monster Talk too, or is he a podcast person? I never thought to ask. He is a podcast person, but he does not listen to Monster Talk because, like I said, he's he kind of falls into the camp of not, um, it'd be so awesome if monsters are real and let me listen to all this stuff about him. He's, he's much more interested in you know, like, science about, like, innovations in science and what we know about space and those sorts of things. So he listens mm -hmm. to, like, Skeptics Guided Universe and Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson and stuff like that well, instead of the show. Well, if he has any recommendations for future episodes of The Virgin Podcaster, please tell him he is very welcome to submit those. Yeah, I definitely will. Because <laughs> that'd be awesome, too. Yeah, and, and I guess that just kind of made me think maybe that's one thing we could advise potential listeners of the show is that so it's it's very in-depth um like you said episodes are usually closer to an hour so they definitely like get into the nitty-gritty um but i think maybe the show would only appeal to you if you are really really interested 
in Monsters. Mm. Um, I think anyone who's like, oh, I mean, yeah, I guess sometimes I like hearing about it, but not really, then you probably don't want to listen to the show because listening to someone talk about Bigfoot for an hour, you're just going to be like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's true. I will say, yeah, I was looking through the list of episodes, because I watched more than what you recommended. I watched about, or watched, listened to, (laughs) talking about a podcast here, guys, listened to about six, and then I just went through the list and decided to download um, episodes that appeal to me based on the titles, and I have to say I was kind of bummed that I didn't see anything Greek mythology related. I was, like, waiting for something about, like, the Chimera or about, like, the Hydra. That would have been really cool. But, I mean, that's not to their discredit. They cover a lot of different and very interesting topics. I'm just I'm just a Greek mythology buff, and I get annoyed. And, you know, they might they might do episodes in the future, because... That's true. Weren't they, weren't they talking about, in um, the most recent one, about sleep paralysis, that they've been trying to find someone to do, like, the Kraken for a long time and haven't been able to find anybody, so... That would be awesome, too. I mean, it's, it's possible that they just need to find some, like, totally nerdy professor of mythological beasts or something to come onto the show. I would love it. I mean, I love, I do, I, like, when they talked about the Kraken, that sounded super fascinating. And I downloaded Cthulhu Rises because, I think, because of Minerva and all of our love and talking about H.P. Lovecraft and H.P. Lovecraft-ish stories that saw Cthulhu and I was like, well, that's gotta happen. Definitely have to listen to this one. Yeah, the Cthulhu one's good. So yeah, I'm just, I'm gonna keep listening to this podcast way past my research purposes, because it's so wonderful. Yay! <laughs> so, okay, we talked about why this podcast appeals to you, why why you kind of turned on to it in the first place. Do you have any favorite episodes? I know you talked about the homunculus one, like, being the first episode that really struck you and why it will always resonate with you. What about the episodes you picked for me? Like, we talked about Let's Get This Off Our Chests, and I think that was a really good episode for me to listen to right on the tail of listening to This American Life and that episode that they talk about sleep. And listening to them together, first of all, made me very afraid to go to sleep that night. (laughs) But really fascinating me when they talk about, you know, devils sitting on your chests and kind of that terrifying feeling of not being in control of your body. I think sleep paralysis is really interesting. And actually, honestly, the only reason I chose that episode is because it was the most recent one. And I thought we should probably listen to the most recent episode in addition to some classics. That's fair. But I was happy that it turned out to be really interesting. So that was just kind of lucky coincidence, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah sleep, sleep paralysis is something that has always fascinated me. And again, because it has its roots in older European history where people, you know, thought a succubus was attacking them in the night or like a, or a witch had sent her form to attack them or whatever. So that definitely is very appealing. And the thing I actually liked about the sleep paralysis episode a lot was that um, all the episodes do not always directly relate to people, but I I know people who've had sleep paralysis before, and mm-hmm. it sounds like one of the most terrifying things you can possibly experience. So I think that episode was really cool because it offered some, something comforting for anyone who's ever experienced sleep paralysis, or if you know anyone who has, mm-hmm. you could direct them that way, and then you have real explanations for what's happening to you. That's and, true. I don't know. No, I, yeah, no, I like fun. that. I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about kind of being comforted by someone geeking out about a topic that they're passionate about, that it's another way for us all to band together 
especially if it's something that you experience personally with like with sleep paralysis for someone to listen to that who has sleep paralysis to know that you're not alone um, when you experience yeah. this terrifying thing. And I, I think that's a really, uh, one of the points Blake Smith makes in that episode that he, he actually makes in several episodes throughout the history podcast that I really like is he mentions that when he first started experiencing these things, he'd never heard of sleep paralysis before, and he'd never heard of, you know, people studying these sorts of things. And so he just thought, I'll go check out the supernatural section of the library, and all of the books were about, you know, like, here are photographs of ghosts, and you might be attacked by, like, a shadow person, and all those sorts of, sorts of things that are kind of building on your fear and what's happening to you, but there's not as much discussion of the other side of the conversation, which is, oh, you're experiencing a sleep paralysis. It's terrifying, but it's because, you know, your body's stuck in REM sleep and your brain wakes up, which is way less scary than a demon is sitting on your chest. Yeah. That's another aspect of the show. And and the point that he makes that I think is really cool is it's helpful for anyone who doesn't find that fulfillment in the more supernatural explanations. Mm, That's very true. Yeah, so in addition to that, so Ancient Aliens is one of my favorite episodes. It has the double benefit of, I think Ken Fader is possibly the best guest they've ever had on the show. He's hilarious. Oh, he's wonderful. And, yeah, (laughs) and the subject of Ancient Aliens has been endlessly fascinating to me for many, many years. Because I think the people who believe in ancient aliens are crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I have always been really offended by the theory of ancient aliens because a point that, that Ken, Kenny Fader mentions in the podcast is it's a, it assumes our ancestors are too dumb to figure anything out. Right, I know. And, yeah, I just find it really offensive yeah, that it's... scientists and all these ancient peoples made these awesome discoveries and then we're like, no, we're too dumb. It must have been aliens. Yeah. I just think that's it's an awful view to have of the human race. So I loved just hearing his point by point takedown. Yep. Because I watch um I watch I've watched Ancient Aliens before on History Channel. Oh yeah. And yeah, this that show was amazing. Name. It's <laughs> it's hilarious. But it's also kind of awful because they do a really bad job of balancing out the voices they mostly just have the mm. people who think ancient aliens are real and they don't know they never bring in people who have any evidence or experience who are saying well you know that thing that they think looks like a rocket ship if you talk to maya experts they would say it looks like birds right. so i think that show has some failings but i still love it just because i think it's so funny but the ancient aliens episode is is one of my favorite things ever. I was so happy that I got to re-listen to it. So good. And then all the other episodes I recommended you, I I guess was showing my bias. I think ghosts are really interesting, so I picked one of the ghost episodes. I, I've already told you that I loved the homunculus episodes. So I recommended that. Yes. I thought the yokai attack episode was super fascinating because I didn't know anything about uh, Japanese monsters. Yeah, I think that might have been my favorite of the three that you recommended, or... Was it out of the five? I can't remember because we talked about. Well, it was one one of my favorites of the ones you recommended because, like, you yeah, know, I'd never, I didn't really know anything about Japanese folklore or mythology aside from what I learned from anime. And to kind of hear those name dropped of like those 
titles of anime that I knew or things that I've seen in anime be referenced, I was like, oh, I guess I know maybe a little bit more than I thought I did, but of course I'm not as knowledgeable as I want to be. So that was really cool. Yeah, and I thought that was like a really eye-opening look at how different cultures have different monsters. That episode's great. And I also realized, kind of scrolling through, and maybe this is a failing of Monster Talk, I don't know, that most of the guests, I'm pretty sure I have not counted, so I apologize if I'm wrong. Um, I think most of the guests they've had on the show are men. Yeah. And I know Yokai Attack was like the couple. And, and they definitely have some really great episodes with women guests. Um, but looking back at the list, I was kind of like, huh, is this show guy researcher heavy? So <sighs> Possibly. And my other actually question for you, because I'm not sure of this, um, aside from Yokai Attack, are there... If you know off the top of your head, are there many episodes, if any more than five, that deal with non-Western folklore and mythology? Is Yokai kind of the only one that deals with Japanese, you know, that side of the world? Mythologies? Yeah, there's so there's Yokai Tech. There's um, they have one episode on Jin in okay. Islamic history. They have someone talking about Jins are like kind of the Eastern version of ghosts, but not, they're different, I don't know how to explain it, you'll just have to listen to the episode, <laughs> but I do have an episode on that, okay. um, my, my Muslim friend who listened to that episode loved it, other than that, off the top of my head, I can't say, oh no, they, they do also, they cover, um, an African, a couple of African monsters, there's one, it's, um, about a giant bat that like flies into people's rooms in the middle of the night and assaults them. It's kind of kind of related to the sleep paralysis episode, actually, but mm-hmm. but it's different. Okay. And then there they have an episode on I think a dinosaur still living in the jungle or something. Now I don't remember exactly what it was. Oh, I think I saw. Uh, I think I scrolled by that one. I saw I think two that had like dinosaur-ish names in the title that I didn't get to read the blurbs for, but those do sound familiar. Yeah, and then they do also just have, like, straight up a couple episodes just about dinosaurs. Because when they talk about the Loch Ness Monster, they actually talk to a guy who's a terra or a, not a pterosaur, uh, I now cannot remember the name of the water dinosaur. Um, they talk to a guy who studies those dinosaurs about, like, what we know about them and if the Loch Ness Monster could possibly be one. That's a really interesting episode. Oh, that's so um, cool. And I do love but, the Loch Ness Monster. Other than that, it's pretty much Western monsters, I think. Okay. Well, I guess not to say that that's a discredit to them, but I think there could be more. And it might just be that they don't have the researchers yet, or they haven't made contact with those researchers yet. Because they might be, like you mentioned, when they talk about the Kraken, there could be other shows that they want to do about monsters from that side of the world, but they might not just have the resources yet. So. Yeah, exactly. Because I know for the one about the, the bat attacking people, they have to, you know, find someone who got grant money to go and study this and talk to people, and it's not like it's super accessible areas of the world. So that that could also be a hindrance, depending on, you know, there could be researchers who still need to go do, like, their in-field research or whatever. So I I think that there, there are things you can point out about the show, and maybe it's just a good thing for people to know in general if they're really, really interested in... You know, Asian monsters, you're not really going to find that on this show. 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe we should like just send them an email and be like, "Hey." <laughs> I'm just super interested in what they. I really just want to ask for like a rundown of their next year in podcast and be like, "What topics are you going to touch on?" Just so I can know and look forward to them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I will say this is a an extremely personal bias on my end, mm-hmm. but I am not interested in Bigfoot at all. I just don't think. Bigfoot's interesting. I don't really know why I think, like, the Loch Ness Monster is interesting, but Bigfoot, for whatever reason, just is not interesting to me. And they do have quite a few episodes on Bigfoot because I think Blake Smith has actually done Bigfoot research. And I tend to just skip those episodes. Uh, But if anyone is interested in Bigfoot, there is a lot of Bigfoot on the show. Yeah, I think maybe you're onto something there, because it was their first episode. That was the very first subject they touched on with Monster Talk. Yeah. I wonder if it's something that's very close to Smith, personally. But uh, that's another good thing I like about this show, is that it's not sequential. So you can jump around and listen to episodes out of order, just pick the topics you like, um, and you won't lose anything from not listening to all of them. Yes. Which I appreciate. Exactly. That's Um, great about it. Uh, And they, they also sometimes cover really weird things, when I was trying to think of of other episodes I might recommend, they did this one really interesting episode on a, on a strange monster. These people living in a home started getting talked to by a mongoose, a talking mongoose named Jeff. What? Uh, and they just had like a whole episode on this Jeff creature. <laughs> and I had like, never heard of a talking mongoose named Jeff before. Uh, oh, man. So sometimes you get, like, really quirky, funny things on the show, too. I feel like I passed the title of that one, too, and I just remember doing a double take, like, Mongoose? Okay, save that one for later. What? What? Yeah, you should oh, definitely man. listen to that one. <laughs> I have to tell my brother Jeff about this now, that he has a Mongoose that potentially talks with his name. Yep. I don't know if he'll be happy or not. So I guess, oh, I hate to say my last question, because I do have one last question after this question, but I'd like to talk to you about just the question of why we love monsters so much, why these stories you think have resonated with us for so long, why certain types of stories keep recurring in different cultures around the world, and what you think that means about the potential of whether or not monsters exist. Does it mean that cultures borrowed stories from each other, or that maybe the things really do exist, and that's why similar stories crop up all over the world? So, I would love to believe that some of these monsters exist. <laughs> like, in, in my heart, I still want to believe that ghosts are real. I really, really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't know if they actually <laughs> do. I honestly think that humans are weird and creative. And, you, uh, speak, you know, you love Greek mythology. Excuse mm-hmm. me as I stutter my way to that <laughs> statement. That's uh, so you love Greek myths, mm-hmm. and a lot of, you know, old religions and myths are based on trying to explain things people don't quite understand. And even though we've been able to explain a lot of that stuff now, you know, we know volcanoes were, how volcanoes are actually created, and mm-hmm. it's not like gods fighting or whatever, <laughs> but... I think some of that stuff, I, I think we all have an innate sense of wonder and know how, no, no matter how much we try to explain stuff, I just don't think people will ever be satisfied because we're always going to have more questions. Right. And I think we 
just are always looking for the mystery in the world. And that's why I think monsters exist everywhere. And I guess if you want to think of it in terms of monsters do exist in human culture and, you know, not literally existing, then you can make an argument for that. I, I guess if I relate it to myself personally, you know, like I can hear a bunch of stories about how every single famous haunting you've ever heard of was just totally made up, but there's still something in me that's like, but one time I saw something that was like a little creepy and I can't really explain it. Maybe it means ghosts are real. So yeah, no, I, I, think I, I like human people. tendency. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, with, like you were saying, ancient religions, that, you know, every religion has a flood story, or every religion has, you know, prophets, just to name something else, not that all religions do, or maybe they do, but just kind of the unification of human creativity, like you said, like, maybe you don't have to hear about a story from someone else to kind of create a similar story on your own. Like, with science, I feel like, oh, I read this, oh, I think it was about the printing press, like... Gutenberg's credited for the printing press, but somewhere else in the world, someone else had a similar idea, but, you know, one scientist gets the credit because they publish first, or the product gets word of yeah. mouth faster, or something like that. You know, the prevalence of it doesn't mean necessarily that there was, like, a wild printing press stampede throughout these separate cultures, and, you know, someone spotted one first, to be completely silly about it. <laughs> but, like, you know, vampires don't need to exist for fears of these perfect, beautiful creatures that can kill us in one bite to be in the world. And it's also interesting, you know, vampires is a good example because there are, there are pretty much vampires in every culture, I think. I think I'm not so. a vampire expert, but <laughs> they're different in every culture. And so it shows how, like, we kind of have this universal fear of the undead, but each each fear is, like, kind of tweaked depending on where you live. Yeah. Um, which, which is one of the reasons I thought that the, an uh, episode on yokai in Japan was so interesting because it shows, you know, like, every culture has monsters, but here's their own specific set of monsters based on the way, like, their culture has has independently evolved. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. it's it's a universal but also particular thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it blends kind of the unification of, like, we all fear the unknown that's out there, but also, like you said, with cultural like, specific cultural ideals or fears that you have that just enough difference that it makes it unique to a particular place or people. There is an episode of Monster Talk where they talk to a professor who wrote a book. I think it's called, the book is, like, Monsters in America, I want to say. And he wrote about how the American monster has evolved and trying to think of why monsters specific to America have popped up the way they have and all that stuff. So cool. kind of relevant to your question. No, that's awesome. Now I'm going to have to look that, look up that podcast and then look up that book. <laughs> I just, I just love, oh, I just love everything about this podcast and about monsters and just, just everything is awesome right now. All right. And of course, in true monster talk fashion, the final question I have for you, which is a customary question that Smith asks every one of his interviewees, Gab's, what is your favorite monster? I'm so excited to be asked this question. <laughs> and I promise I will it's allow you... It's like my you dream to... to be asked this question. <laughs> yes. Well, I had to... As the second I heard the first episode, I was like, oh, I'm asking Gabs this question. This has to be in the podcast. <laughs> it just has to. Yes. And I will allow so, you a top five. I 
promise. Because usually the interviewees just pick one monster, but you have you can have a range if you want. Yeah, Olivia kind of warned me ahead of time she was going to ask me, and I kind of had, like, a brief existential crisis because I didn't know what direction to come at to explain what my favorite monster was, and I was, like, freaking out, like, <laughs> what monster best represents who I am, and I didn't know, and, well, it was very stressful, so... Um, she reassured me that this is not the end of the world, and I'm very excited about it. <laughs> oh, good, I'm glad. So, I kind of have multiple answers. So, so the monster that, like, got me in two monsters when I was a little kid was the Loch Ness Monster, mm-hmm. which is weird to me now because the Loch Ness Monster is not as interesting to me anymore, but um, I actually checked out a book from the library, and I remember... Looking at that, you know, famous photo of the Loch Ness Monster that has now been proven to be a fake and just being amazed by it. Oh, so yeah. that was like my, my gateway drug monster. <laughs> I would have to say, going classic, ghosts are probably, in truth, my favorite monster because ghost stories have been consistently the thing I'm most interested in throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I continue to love seeing horror movies featuring ghosts. It's just, like, one of my favorite things ever. Mm-hmm. So, love ghosts, and um, I love zombies. Zombies are I cool. have not yet tired of any of the zombie stuff in the world, and will continue watch, watching The Walking Dead for all 20 seasons that's on the air. I don't care. Um, I think zombies are really interesting how they can always serve as a commentary on human society. So, that's one of my favorite monsters. And then I had to throw out the Kraken because the Kraken, I think, is one of the more plausible monsters. You know, probably not like the enormous Kraken of myth, but there's so much stuff deep in the ocean we still don't know about. And for many, many years, people didn't think giant squids existed because they lived so deep in the water until we finally found one. Considering the miles and miles of ocean we have not been able to go to, like, who's to say that there's not a crazy, enormous kraken lurking somewhere at the bottom of the ocean? Oh, it's possible, I think, so. Terrifying. I gotta throw that out there as my, uh, my hopeful, my hopeful <laughs> one. Cool. I totally am with you on the whole kraken thing. I saw a picture on Imgur, and it's, I think it's a kind of giant squid, but they have, like, their limbs make right angles as they fall into the abyss below, and it's so cool and something I've never seen before, so I'm totally with you that, I don't know, Cthulhu might be down there. Like, there's definitely something big and lurky going on at the bottom of the ocean that we have not yet found. Yeah, and honestly, like, if I'm going to be, if I'm going to be totally honest, the bottom of the ocean, to me, is the most terrifying thing in the whole world, so... I think the potential for scary monsters down there is very high. Yes. Yeah, the ocean and space. Like, just the vastness of both of those things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Space and the ocean both terrify me. Mm -hmm. But aliens don't scare me too much because, you know, we haven't met any yet, so. Yeah, I feel like aliens... And if we do meet them, apparently they'll build pyramids for us. (laughs) Right? They'll tell us we're doing our technology wrong and fix it all. (laughs) Which is why I think, I feel like we're, to aliens, like, that 
stupid sitcom that comes on like on primetime tv once a week that's like they check in with us and they're like oh those stupid humans what are they up to look at their antics and then they just like they don't want anything to do with us because we're just so behind in everything yeah just let them figure their stuff out or kill themselves off we're not gonna deal with them yet exactly i guess i'm gonna throw in my favorite monster real quick i know blake doesn't smith blake smith never does this but i'm like monsters are just so much fun um, yeah, you, should, you totally should. <laughs> so I'm totally with you on, like, the whole Kraken undersea scariness going on. I would be remiss if I didn't include Cerberus, because he was my gateway monster. Um, uh-huh. In Dolaire's Book of Greek Myths, he's this cute little scruffy dog with three heads, and, you know, when I my eight-year-old self was like, three heads, triple the petting opportunity, I love you. <laughs> um, and, of course, is my love. He'd totally be, be giving you kisses all the time. Exactly. Like, I secretly hope that he's super friendly to his master and, like, all of the nice underworld people, and then he tortures and barks at all the scary, mean people down there. Um, <laughs> and that just feeds into my love of the Hades and Persephone myth in general, which I won't spiel about because my rant's on Minerva if anyone wants to read it. Gotta touch on werewolves because I think just, like, the dog transformation possibilities there, really cool, like, kind of the inner bestiality of humanity um, that uh-huh. that whole storyline touches on it really fascinates me. And, I don't know, finally... Hmm. One more. The Hydra's pretty cool. Maybe not my favorite, but Greek monsters in general. Oh, the Minotaur. The Minotaur? Maybe I'll end with the Minotaur, because I feel bad. I feel like part of me feels bad for the Minotaur, and I actually wrote the very beginnings of potentially a story about the maze from the Minotaur's perspective and, like, why his parents don't love him and, like, he's a bull, he eats grass, not children. And just this, like, maybe the Minotaur's not a bad guy, they just don't understand him because he's this weird hybrid thing. Maybe he's a sympathetic character. The Minotaur is one of those interesting ones because, you know, he couldn't help it that he was a monster. Right. It's just, like, a weird situation where he was born a monster and then you get that whole, like, fun philosophical question of, like, well, is he born a monster, or did people make him a monster? Exactly. So, yeah, his story fascinates me, too. And I will hopefully maybe finish that story one day about the maze from his perspective. And maybe you could be on Monster Talk. Oh, yes. I'll just do all the Minotaur research ever. And then maybe Blake Smith will find <laughs> me and be like, you can be our first Greek mythology expert. Go! And I'll be like, thank you. I've been waiting for this day. Hold your applause. I'm ready. This is my moment. Anyway, I think that about wraps up our Monster Talk talk. So thank you so much, Gabs. I really enjoyed listening to Monster Talk and geeking out about it with you. Um, and maybe we can do, like, another Monster Talk episode if I listen to more, just because there's so much to talk about and it's so awesome. I mean, if nothing else, we'll have to just have conversations in real life about yes. Monster Talk. That is also highly probable. Oh, and also just one final thing about the podcast, the theme song. Is fantastic. That they, that they do. I like dance to it every time it comes on. I'm like, yeah, because it's like gritty and cool, and they have that awesome intro bump where they have little snippets of people talking about different monsters. Ugh. Yeah, and then the band's name is Peach Stealing Monkeys, which is an excellent name. <laughs> yes. Yeah, bands have the best names. Some of them. Some of them are like you just throw random words together, but yeah, Peach Stealing Monkeys is pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, listeners and Gabs, for being here. And once again, I'm Olivia with The Virgin Podcaster, and you can check out other episodes of The Virgin Podcaster on Minerva's website at minervamag.com. You can also find us on Twitter 
and on Facebook. And if you have any podcasts that you would like rec- like to recommend, uh, words, to me, please feel free to do so in the comments below. Or if you've listened to Monster Talk and want to contribute to this conversation, please also feel free to do that. Um, thanks, and happy monster hunting. Bye. Bye.